KMTT, כי מציון תצא תורה. שיעורים for this month, month of Shvat, are being broadcast לעילוי נשמת הרב אברהם יצחק בן חיים יהודה, אנכון ראובן בן משה חיים. This week, פרשת משפטים, I would like to discuss the final parak found in פרשת משפטים, the end of the פרשה, פרק כ"ד. In fact, to be more precise, I would like to discuss the brief story found here of Naseh Nishma. Picking it up in the text, I'd like to begin in Perkafdalid Pasugimu. After a brief introduction, the Torah tells us the following in Perkafdalid Pasugimu. Ve'evo Moshe ve'isaper la'am et kol divrei Hashem. And Moshe came and reported to the people, told over to the people all of the words, divrei Hashem, all the words of God. Ve'et kol mishpatim in all the laws. Ve'ya'an kol la'am kol echad. And the people answered all in one voice. And they said, All of the words which God has spoken, the stem, dalid, bet, resh, for speech or words or matters, appears here for the third time in the Pasuk. We will do. Um, so we have here, uh, very briefly in this one verse, a story uh, that describes Moshe's coming to the people. Moshe came to the people. He tells them the dvarim, the words of God. Following this, the people answer all together, kol echad, in one voice, vayamru, kol adorim asher dibar Hashem naseh, they say naseh, which is the fourth element of this verse, the commitment on the part of the people, the statement of naseh. Um, now, in fact, as we move along here, uh, the story to some extent uh, repeats itself uh, on some plane. Following this preliminary commitment of the people uh, in the word naseh in Pasugimel, the Torah tells us the following in the following Psukim, in Psukim, Dalid, uh, through Vav. Then Moshe wrote down uh, these words, Vayashkem of God, Vayashkem Baboker, and he got up the next morning, Vayivin Mizbeach Tachat Tahar, he built an altar at the bottom of the mountain, and as the verses go on, we're told that besides the monuments and the Mizbeach, there are also Korbanot, Moshe then splits the blood uh, from the carbonates from the sacrifices into two halves. Half of the blood he sprinkles upon the mizbeach, and the other half of the blood he places in in flasks, apparently to be saved for a bit later. Then we're told in pasuk Dayin, pasuk Zayin, and then he took the um, book of the covenant. Meaning that those words of God that Moshe had written down just a few verses previously are now known as the Sefer Abit. And he read it out in the ears of the people. And they said, um, Everything that God has spoken, we will do and we will listen. So again, here the people commit formally uh, after the previous commitment of Naaseh. Again, we have here the story of Moshe coming to the people, telling them the words of God, um, them committing all together, and this, of course, closes in this kind of penultimate phrase of Na'asev and Ishma. What we should, of course, note is that this story of Na'asev and Ishma is not an isolated note, but it is seemingly part of this slightly larger story of the Brit that happens here at Har Sinai, the Brit of the Aganot, the Brit of the flasks of blood, or perhaps the Brit of Sinai, and we will come back to this a little bit later. Um, but what I'd like to point out, what is rather interesting about the story of commitment found here in Perk Kafdala, the story of Naaseh, the story of Naaseh and Shema, is that on some point we should realize that this is familiar to us. 
on a certain level, uh, it may already have happened uh, before. And what I mean by this is that if we go back to Pericutet, a chapter that we discussed um, last week, the story normally thought of or called Mamad Har Sinai, you can note certain similarities between the story of commitment found here in Perak Kafdal, the story of Naaseh, and a few verses in Perak Yutet. So to return uh, to Perak Yutet, after a short introduction uh, or speech by God to Moshe on top of the mountain, the Torah tells us in Perak Yutet, Pasuk Vav, closing off God's speech to Moshe, and you, i.e. the people of Israel, will be, for me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words, the dvarim, Moshe, that you should conduct to or pass over or report, speak to the Bnei Israel. And then in Pasuk Zayin, we come to a very interesting verse. Moshe, and Moshe came, again, and he called the elders of the people, Moshe came and spoke the Dvarim uh, to the people, or to the Zekinim, and said, these are the things that God commands. And then we look in Pasuk Chet, and here the people respond all together, the second occurrence, or the third occurrence in the story, or maybe even fourth, of the stem Dalet Bet Resh, meaning speech or matters or words of God. What do they say? Again, in Pasuket, Kol Hashem, Na'aseh, everything that God has said, we will do. So if we think about it, the story of commitment found in Perak Kaf Dalet, we noted there are four particular elements or features. First, there was the idea that Moshe came to the people. Second, there was the idea of the dvarim of God that he conducts to the people. Third, there was the idea that the people spoke all together. And fourth, there was the idea of na'aseh, the staying of na'aseh, of we will do. Well, here we have the exact same story of commitment back in Parakutet. What we might say is that the story of Naseh v'nishma found in Parak Kafdalid on some plane in its bare bones elements has already happened in Parakutet. The story seems to repeat itself. And the question I think we need to confront is what is the point of these parallel stories of commitment by Bnei Israel found in Parak Kafdalid and Parakutet? Or to say this a little bit differently, if Bnei Israel have already committed, they've already said na'aseh to the dvarim of God in Parakutet, why is there a need for another story of commitment of na'aseh found in Parakutet? And that is more or less the question I would like to try to discuss uh, in this sheet or. Um, now, before turning to the realm of, of solutions, uh, I would like to try to expand uh, the problem a little bit. Because in point of fact, I think there are many, many other parallels between Parakutet and Parakafdalid, not just the kind of fourfold parallel of the commitment stories that we've already noted, but I think there are at least four other connections uh, between the stories. One which I think pushes us in the direction of not just linking up the commitment stories, the Naasa stories of Parakutet and Parakafdalid, but in some sense the Prakim themselves, the overall uh, Stories, and I'd like to elaborate upon this uh, a little bit before moving on to solutions. Um, let us pick it up in the beginning of Perak Dalet, the very first few verses of Perak Dalet, and I'd like to make the claim there are at least four additional parallels uh, between Perak Dalet and Perak Yutet, between the two chapters, uh, above and beyond the ones we've already noted. So let us pick it up in Perak Dalet, Pasuk Aleph. 
Perkatal Pasik Aleph says as follows Vel Moshe Amar, and God said to Moshe, Alei El Hashem, go up, or perhaps more literally, ascend to God. Ata va'aron v'nada v'aviyu v'shivim izikne Yisrael v'shtachavitem mirachok, and they will bow down from afar. And then the pasuk continues on in pasuk bet v'nigash Moshe levado El Hashem. Moshe will yet continue on further alone to God. V'heim lo yugashu. And um, these other elders, Nadav, Aviyu, Aaron, Zikinim, etc., they will not ascend. And the people, they won't come up at all. Now, what we should note is that from the very beginning here, is that Parakaf Dalit uh, should be thought of as a story of Alei, uh, a story of Aliyah, a story of ascent. Um, another example of this later on in Parakaf Dalit, Pasuk Yudbet, we get the execution uh, of the command, or perhaps a repetition of the command. In Parak Kaftal, you bet the Torah tells us as follows, Vayomra Hashem el Moshe, Alei Elai Hahara, Ve'yesham, come up onto me to the mountain and be there. And for what purpose? The end of the verse, Ve'etna l'chait luchot ha'even v'atorah v'amitzvah ashekotat yitharotam. So Moshe ascends the mountain, and when you get to the top of the mountain, I'm going to give you the Luchot Evan, the tablets, and the Torah, and the mitzvah. Of course, Moshe is supposed to ascend the mountain uh, for the purpose of receiving the Torah. Uh, the overall corpus of Perk Kaftalad is a story of Alei, a story of Aliyah, a story of ascent. Moshe ascends to the mountain, and the purpose of this ascent is to receive the Torah. And by no accident, without going into details currently, the stem, Ayin Lamid Hey, Alei, meaning ascent, appears seven times. Throughout the corpus of Perk Kaftalit, from Perk Kaftalit, Pasuk Aleph, through Pasuk Yudchet. Now, of course, uh, what we should remember, and we discussed this uh, a little bit last week, is that similarly, Perk Yudchet, uh, chapter 19, should also be thought of as a story of Alei, a story of Aliyah, a story of Ascent. If we turn back to Perk Yudchet, Pasuk Gimel, near the beginning of the chapter, we're told there, Umusha Allah El Okim. Uh, Moshe ascended uh, to God, ascended to the mountain, and God called him. And uh, likewise, later on in, in the Perak, in Perak Yutet, Pasuk Kaf, um, when God descends upon the mountain, we're told as follows, God descended upon the mountain, God called to Moshe, God calls and Moshe ascends. Again, a story of ascent. Throughout the chapter, the word ascent, alei, occurs numerous times, seven or eight, depending upon how you count. It's again a story of ascent. And of course, as the preface to Parakaf, the giving of the Aserat Hadibrot, Vayidaber al-Kimet called Rema'il-Lemor in Parakaf, this is an ascent for the purpose of receiving the Torah. So a, an additional parallel between the Prakim is that both of them are stories of ascent for the purpose of receiving the Torah. Now, um, this is one. Uh, a second. Um, besides being stories of ascent, on some plane, both Prakim, Perkitet, and Perkaftalet are stories of uh, de- descent. And what I mean by this is that in both stories, God descends uh, upon the mountain. If we pick it up in Perkitet, Pasuk uh, Yud Aleph, the Torah tells us as follows. As part of God's instructions to Moshe, be prepared for the third day. On the third day, God will descend upon the mountain to the eyes of all of the people. Now, the Torah stresses here that God will descend, that somehow God 
will be visible or God will be manifest. Well, in what way is God manifest uh, upon the mountain? Uh, on some plane that we find that out late, a bit later on, a few verses later on in Pasuk Tetzayin. Perikitat Pasuk Tetzayin tells us, and it was on the third day, uh, and early in the morning, um, and a very heavy cloud. As always, God's presence uh, is manifest in a heavy cloud, and it is the cloud upon the mountain that manifests God's presence or God's descent upon the mountain. Well, of course, likewise, um, in Perikaftalad, we have a very similar idea. If we take a look in Perikaftalad, Pasuk, Tetvav, we're told there as follows, Veishkon kvod Hashem alhar Sinai, God rested his presence upon the mountain, so God descends upon the mountain, Veichaseo he'anan, and the cloud covered it, so again, God's presence is manifest upon the mountain, God descends upon the mountain, it's manifested as cloud to the eyes of all of the children of Israel. So I think this is a, another parallel between the Prokim, they're not just stories of ascent, they're also stories of descent of God and his presence upon the mountain in a cloud. And just for now, uh, for reasons of time, we will um, confine ourselves to yet one more connection uh, between uh, the Prakim. And that is a manifest, or uh, can be realized by going back to the beginning of, of Parak Kavdalad, where we first noted the fact that Moshe ascended to God, and that Parak Kavdalad uh, should be thought of as a chapter of ascent of Aliyah. Again, Parak Kavdalad, Pasuk Al Thubet. Then Moshe Amar. Alei el Hashem, Atav Aaron v'Nadav Aviyu. I was told to Moshe to go up to uh, God, you and Aaron v'Nadav Aviyu. V'shem Mizikei Yisrael v'Shtach v'Tem Rachok. Of course, they will bow down from afar. V'Nigash Moshe levado al Hashem, and the Torah continues on, and Moshe will come close by himself. V'Hem lo Yugashu, they will not come close. V'Am lo Yalu Imo, and the people will not come up at all. So, if we think about it, the space or the placement of the various groups has a kind of three-part structure. At the very bottom of the mountain uh, are the people. They remain at the bottom. Um, of course, they are down there with their Mizbeach, as we would see a few verses later on. Somewhere, so to speak, in the middle, you have this elite group in Parakhoftalad, consisting of Nadav, uh, Aaron, Nadav, Abiyu, and Nizikainim. Uh, they, so to speak, are Mishtachabem, Rachog, Badav, from afar. And then, of course, at the top of the mountain, alone, so to speak, in the Kodesh Kadashim, in the Holy of Holies, you have Moshe alone, and this is kind of the structure uh, of the various groups in Perak um at Har Sinai. Well, similarly, if you think about it, Perak teaches us of the exact same uh, three-part structure. As we know, the people are down at the bottom of the mountain, and of course Moshe is going to ascend to the very top. Well, is there a middle group? The answer is, likewise, in Perak there's also a, a middle group. If we return to some of the sukim that we dealt with last week, God's warning immediately preceding uh, the actual revelation of the Ten Commandments, when God gives that last-minute warning to Moshe to go back down to the bottom and to tell the people not to break forth, there's something very interesting, or not to come too close to the mountain, there's something very interesting that that occurs there in the text of the Torah. In Perak Yutet, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, we're told the following, Vayom Hashem el Moshe, and God said to Moshe, Raid, um, go down. Ha'ed ba'am, warn the people. Penya asuhal Hashem, lest they break forth to reach God. They're owed to see. V'nafam menurav, and many will fall or will die when they come too close. And then in pasuk kavet, v'gam ha'koanim ha'nigashim el Hashem yitkadashu. 
And also the Kohanim who come close to God should, Yitkadosh, they should separate themselves. Penny frots behem Hashem, lest God break out amongst them. And apparently there's some sort of group, some sort of intermediate group of Kohanim HaNigashim HaLashem that would normally come close, that represents some sort of intermediate stage between the people and Moshe, and they too need to be warned to stay further away. So we can talk about the similar idea of a three-part structure in both the stories of Perak Yutet and Perak Kaftal, where Moshe is alone, so to speak, in the Kodesh Kadashim. There's some sort of elite group in the middle that might be thought of as parallel to the Kodesh later on in the Mishkan. And then, of course, on the outside, at the bottom of the mountain, are the people themselves. So this is a kind of additional third connection, additional third connection between um, the two prakim. Now, if we put it all together, I think we might say that both stories uh, of Perakitet, uh, the stories of Perakitet and Perakaftalad are stories of Naaseh. Uh, both stories of Perakitet and Perakaftalad are stories of Aliyah, the ascent of Moshe to receive the Torah. Both stories of Perakitet and Perakaftalad are stories of descent by God upon the mountain in a cloud to give the Torah. And both stories, Perakitet and Perakaftalad, carry that three-part structure that is kind of symbolic of Mamad Har Sinai, where Moshe is alone with God, there's some sort of intermediate group, and then, of course, the people are at the bottom of the mountain. To put this all together, we might say that we have here two stories, not so much of commitment, but two stories of, of Sinai. Um, Sinai 1 and Sinai 2. They're stories of ascent, of descent, of revelation, of commitment. And I think the real question becomes, what is the point of having two stories of Mahmud Har Sinai in the Torah? What is the point of this parallel of the repetition uh, of Mahmud Har Sinai? If Sinai 1 has already happened, why exactly do we need Sinai 2? What is the connection or the parallel, the meaning of the parallel between the two stories? So this is the problem. Um, now, in thinking about this, um, I do think there are quite a few ways to go about trying to resolve the issue. I was drawn to thinking about some of the expectations of the story found in Parakutet that I've called Sinai 1. Um, some of the purposes or expectations that are built up in Sinai 1 and the question of whether these expectations are fulfilled uh, or not fulfilled, I'd like to elaborate upon this uh, a little bit, um, and this might help us uh, resolve uh, the problem of the relationship between um, Peregitet and Peregitet of Sinai 1 and, and Sinai 2. So let us go back um, in the text of Peregitet to uh, Pasuk He, uh, a Pasuk that we have not, actually not yet uh, read before, part of God's original introduction before the beginning of the commitment uh, part of things, um, which we have already discussed, the, the Na'aseh part of things. In Parakitet Pasakei, the Torah tells us as follows. Va'ata im shamoa tishmu'u b'koli, and so to speak, God speaks to the people or uh, through the medium of Moshe. Va'ata im shamoa tishmu'u b'koli, and now you, if you will listen to my voice, Ushmatem et and you will keep or guard my covenant. Here, another interesting connection um, between the two prakim that we have not yet elaborated upon. Both prakim mention the term Brit. Here in Perakutet Pasake, we have this brief mention of the notion of Shmartem et Briti. And of course, later on in Parak Kathadalid, 
we have the elaboration of the Britta Aganot, the Brit Sinai, the flasks of blood, and the spilling of the blood on his back, and the spilling of the blood on the people, and the reading of the Sefer Abrit, which we already pointed out a little bit, which we will come back to in a couple of moments. But moving right along, let's read the verse again. briti, and you will keep my covenant, and then you will be special a treasure to me from amongst all the nations, because the whole land belongs to me. And then, Pasuk Vav, Vatem tiulim amlachet koanim v'gai kadosh elad v'remashetidaber el b'nei Yisrael. The expectation uh, or the connection uh, that's built up here is between this idea of being a amlachet koanim v'gai kadosh. The nation will be a a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, and that's somehow connected very briefly here to this idea of shmartem etpriti or being skula, being separate or being special. Bit unclear what's going on here, but especially unclear as to what exactly the meaning of being a mamlachat konim vigai kadosh is. And then God finishes off his statement, Eila Israel. So it would seem offhand, at least in the introductory part of Perikitet, that the purpose of Mamadhar Sinai, of Sinai 1, is the transformation of the people into a mamlachat konim vigai kadosh. Now, as we move along um, a bit further in Parakutet, I would argue that this expectation uh, seems to fade out, um, or perhaps we might say this expectation is unrealized, and other issues, other purposes, or other expectations seem uh, to crop up. If we move ahead to uh, the material following the section of the Naaseh story, which already terminates um, as of uh, the beginning of Pasuktet, God speaks to Moshe again with another message for Bnei Yisrael at the beginning of Perikitat Pasuk Tet. Hashem el Moshe, anochi I'm going to come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people will hear, and likewise they will believe in you forever. Now in the second conversation between God and Moshe, that found in Pasuk Tet, the apparent purpose of Mamad Harsinai is that the people will hear, and they will, when God speaks to Moshe, and they will forever believe in Moshe. Now, I elaborated upon this a bit last week, and the idea seems to be that they will believe that Moshe is the giver of the Torah, that Moshe is, so to speak, the bridge between the upper realms and the lower realms, that it is through the unique means of Moshe that Torah comes into the world, and the purpose of Mamad Sinai is to build and confirm this emunah in the hearts of B'nai Yisrael. But we may, might ask, what has happened to the idea of Mamlachat Konim V'gai Kadosh? Well, as we move along in the text of Parakitet, a kind of third expectation, or perhaps a third purpose uh, to Ma'amad Harsinai, is built up uh, for us. And um, if we go to the next conversation between God and Moshe, which begins in Parakitet, um, Pasuk Yud, God begins to describe the preparations necessary uh, for Ma'amad Harsinai. And it says as follows, and be prepared for the third day. The people should be prepared for the third day. Because on the third day, God will descend um, in front of the eyes of all of the people uh, on Harsinai. Now, God's going to descend to the eyes of all the people, and then, of course, there's a need to limit the area around the mountain, because when the people see God, they may rush forth, they may die, so therefore there's a need to, so to speak, put a fence metaphorically around the mountain to create limitations. And then later on, um, of course, uh, when the people do 
pass through their preparations. And we're told in Parak Yudtet Pasuk Tetzain, Vehi Bayom Ashlishi Bayota Boker, and it was early in the morning, Vehi Kalutu Vakim, Vanen Kaved Alaar, and it was all of this rather public noise. There was the fire, and there was the cloud, and there was the shofar. Pasuk Yudzain, Vehiotse Moshe, Ta'am Likrata Elokim, and Amachana, Vehi Tiatu, Vetachitar. Moshe brought the people out from the camp to meet God. We might say, that there's this kind of idea of a public meeting between God and the people that happens at Har Sinai. It's expressed in the verb ri'iyah, to see, to the eyes of the people. It's expressed in the idea of um, the cacophony and the noise. There's this public revelation of God's presence, the meeting between God and the people of Har Sinai. But again, this is something other. This is not so much... Um, the notion of Emunah B'Moshe, but it is certainly not also the notion of Amlachat Kohanim V'Gai Kadosh. We might say that the expectation of Amlachat Kohanim V'Gai Kadosh that is built up or created at the beginning of Parakutet is never realized in Parakutet. And it's kind of an open question as to when and where uh, it, it, is, it is realized. Well, uh, what I would like to suggest is that this expectation first created in Parakutet that the purpose of Sinai is to somehow transform Am Yisrael into a nation of priests and a holy nation, this expectation is in fact realized in Parak in chapter 24. And this, in fact, might be the point of the commitment parallels of the Nishma parallels that we noted at the very first part of Ashiura. And I would like to elaborate upon this a little bit. Um, let us go back to a verse I read a few moments ago, to Parak Yutet um, and let's take a look at it again. And if you will listen to my voice, and you will keep my covenant, the mention of being a priest, uh, a, whole, a holy nation and kingdom of priests is connected very briefly with the idea of the Brit here. And then this idea of the Brit seems to completely drop out in Parakutet, and the focus shifts over to the special role of Moshe, the focus shifts over to the public meeting between God and the people. This kind of briefly mentioned element, if we move to Parakutet, I think we will see this emerges as the central motif in Parakutet. Let us go back to the end of Parashat Mishpatim, to Parakutet, and let us follow through the, the flow of the text. Parakutet, Pasuk Aleph. And who said to Moshe, uh, go up onto the mountain. We have here the introduction. The introduction that defines as a story of ascent. Moshe will go up onto the mountain. There will be a three-part structure. Uh, this is a story of Ramad HaSinai. God will come down. Moshe will receive the Torah, etc., etc., etc. But interestingly enough, as of Pasuk Gimel, we might say that the topic of Perak switches um, in a radical fashion. As opposed to a story of ascent, Moshe on top of the mountain, receiving the Torah, the three-part structure, etc., there's a kind of turn in the text, and Parak Kavtal Pasuk Gimel tells us the following. Moshe came uh, and told to the people all of the words of God and all of the laws, all of the rules. And the people answered all together, everything um, that God has spoken, we will do. We shift here from a story of theophany, from a story of revelation, 
to a story of commitment, and these are, of course, the verses that we began with,、uh, the notion of the people saying naaseh and the idea of Moshe coming and giving over the word to the people and the people committing. Now, of course, as we move further along, and this we already stressed a bit earlier on, this is not just a simple. A verbal commitment by the people. This becomes instantiated or concretized in a very, very particular way. Pasuk Dalid, Vechtov Moshe et Kol Devar Hashem VeYashkim BaBokav Eivin Isbech. So Moshe wrote everything down, and then he built the altar, and then there were the twelve pillars, each one representing one of Bnei Yisrael, and then there was the there were the Karbanot, and then the blood was split into two. And why was the blood split into two? Well, that's of course a, a covenantal symbol. Half the blood goes on the Isbech, and half the blood goes on the people, and then everything is written down. And then of course we get the key term, Pasuk Zayin, VeYikach Sefer Habrit. And Moshe took the book of the covenant. These words spoken by God are now concretized as a book of the covenant. He read it out to the people; they heard it again. And not just naaseh, but again here an expansion naaseh v'nishma. And it goes on. Moshe then sprinkles the blood on the people. And this key verse pasukket. Moshe took the blood; he sprinkled it upon the people. This is the blood of the covenant. That God has、uh, contracted with you this day. So we have the blood of the covenant and the book of the covenant, which contains the dvarim and the mishpatim of God. And this whole story of the Brit Aganot, the Covenant of the flasks, the covenant of the blood, or the blood covenant cut upon the book of the covenant at Sinai, is in fact the centerpiece of Perak Kafdalot of chapter twenty-four of Sinai two of the second story of the revelation at Sinai. It is not so much that which happens at the top of the mountain, the voice of God or God's revelation to Moshe or Moshe ascending. But it's really what happens at the bottom of the mountain. What happens with the people and their book and their blood and their mizbeach that takes up the lion's share of the parak. It runs from pasuk gimel all the way through pasuk yudbet、uh, in the chapter.、Um, what I'd like to suggest is that on some level, Sinai two, the story of parak kafdalid, complements and completes and fulfills. The brief expectation of Brit and Mamlachat Kohanim v'Gai Kadosh that was raised in Sinai One. It is not until Parak Kafdalid,、uh, where we hear the story of the Brit of Sinai、uh, and the Mizbeach and the pillars and the blood and the book and the reading. It is only then and there that the actual expectation of Brit and Mamlachat Kohanim v'Gai Kadosh takes place. With that covenant contracted, I think this is a central and crucial way in which Parak Kafdalid Sinai Two completes the story of Sinai and adds to the story of Sinai One.、Um, now, while I do think this more or less explains the relationship between Parak Yutet and Parak Kafdalid between Sinai One and Sinai Two, and kind of explains the idea of、um, the parallel、uh, or the need for repetition, I would like to kind of add、um, an additional point to this:、um, something related to the A famed controversy between Rashi on the one hand and Ibn Ezra and Ramban on the other hand, two opinions that are actually already found in the Mechilta, in the Parshanut of Chazal, in rabbinical exegesis、uh, of the Chumash.、Um, Rashi adopts the opinion found in the Mechilta that the events depicted in Parak Kafdalid, in fact, happened not after.、Um, The corpus of、uh, Parshat Mishpatim, 
But the events depicted in Parak Kaftal, the story of Brit Sinai, happened back before the giving of the Aseret HaDibrot, somewhere back in Parak Yotet. Um, now, this opinion is striking in and of its own right, but it simply emphasizes the connection between the two Prakim. If they are, so to speak, so parallel and so connected, it is not a great leap for one opinion in Chazal to state that they are, in fact, the same story, Ein Mugdamu Mukharba Torah, and the events that are told here in Parak Kaftal, so to speak, really happened back in Parak Yutet. However, Ramban and Ibn Ezra uh, follow the other opinion in Chazal, and argue strongly that the psukim here are found in chronological order. Um, now, uh, one of their proofs for the fact that the psukim are found here in chronological order, and that the events depicted in Parak Kaftal had happened after uh, the teachings of uh, Parshat Mishpatim, one of their great proofs is, in fact, Parak Kaftal at Pasuk Gimel. Parak Kaftal at Pasuk Gimel says as follows again, Moshe told all of the words, and all of the laws. So both Ibn Ezra and Ban argue that Divrei Hashem is a reference to the Aseret HaDvarim, to the Aseret HaDibrot back in Parshat Yitro, and the Mishpatim is a reference to the laws of Parshat Mishpatim. And then, of course, the Pasuk Dalad Moshe writes it all down. And this, of course, is eventually called in Pasuk Zayin, Vayikach Sefer Habrit. The entire covenant of Sinai, which includes the statement of Naseh Nishma, is contracted upon the Sefer Habrit, the written-down corpus of the Aseret HaDibrot, plus... Pashat Mishpatim, according to Ibn Ezra and Ramban. I think this really puts things into place, and we can learn from this a, a kind of, of crucial point. Why is Brit Sinai, um, the contract between God and the Jewish people, which transforms them into a Mamachat Kohanim Begay Kadosh, why is it, so to speak, pushed off until Parakhaftalad, until after Mishpatim? Why is there a separate story? Why can't Sinai 1 and Sinai 2 simply happen altogether? I think the answer is, is because the story of the contracting of the covenant which transforms um, B'nai Yisrael into Amachat Kohanim B'gai Kadosh, this is a story of absolute commitment to all of the Torah, to the written down book of the Torah. It's complete and total commitment to all the laws of Parshat Mishpatim, not simply uh, a little bit here or there. It's with full knowledge and full commitment. That action found in Parak Kaftal, at least according to Ibn Ezra and Ramban, is what truly transforms uh, the people into Malachat Kohanim B'gai Kadosh. I think this adds an additional point to the existence of the second story of Sinai, to the story of Parak Kaftal, with its emphasis on Brit, the Sefer Abrit, and the contracting of the Covenant Sinai upon um, the laws of the Torah.